0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey
0: everybody, welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We've got a big show today. Just about the biggest thing that can happen in the prospect world is happening as the number one overall prospect in baseball is being called up to the big leagues for the first time, that being, of course, Ray's phenom, Wander Franco. So we'll talk about that plenty. Uh, We're coming up on the draft, so we will, of course, have a big segment on the draft. We'll talk about the draft combine, uh, guys who are in the College World Series. We have our five guys segment. And, uh, we will look ahead to the futures game, talk a little bit about who we'd like to see, uh, in this year's game. We are going to introduce the two most recent additions to the top 100 prospects list. And then we'll wrap up as we always do by answering your questions in the mailbag, Jim and Jonathan, it is Wander Franco time. Um, Jonathan, I had in my mind that maybe you could you could sing us a little uh, "Most Wonderful Time of the Year" tune. Why me? No, am I the one who has to
2: sing? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I thought I thought you were probably our most musical member.
2: Hmm. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Here we go. Think that that'll work. All right,
0: that'll play. Um, (laughs) So. Wander Franco, uh, he is about as hyped of a prospect uh, as we've had in in recent years. Uh, Vlad Jr. was extremely hyped as as he was the number one overall prospect and he was on his way to the major leagues. Um, I I know we did a story uh, a while back where we ranked the number one overall prospects in terms of their hype and expectations as they approach the big leagues. Do you guys happen to remember where Wander ranked on that, on that list?
1: Are you, is this a quiz or you asking? No,
0: I wouldn't. I would not. I, I, I would just, not I just, you. I, know about it.
1: I just, I just Googled it cause I was wondering it. We had Wander seventh on that list. I can give you the six players that won Jonathan Mayo ranked ahead of him on April 11th, 2020. And the six he had ahead of them, ahead of Wander, were Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was number one, which, which I, I totally concur with. Shohei Otani was number two. Byron Buxton, who was number one on five straight midseason and preseason uh, MLB Pipeline top 100 prospects list, was number three. Delman Young was number four. I don't think people remember him as much because he didn't have a great career, but he was number one prospect three years in a row for MLB.com and the number one pick in the draft.
0: Also kind of pre, pre-hype machine. Right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. That, that was what I was going to add on, but yeah, finish the list. Um, Mike Trout was number five, um, and Joe Maurer was number six, and Wanda Franco was number seven. And the rest of the top ten was Yohan Mankata, David Price, and Matt Moore.
0: Sorry, right, Jonathan. You, you put that list together, and I remember when you were doing that, talking a lot about – You know how much more hype there is
2: yeah i i think that's like one of the the key things and and even compared you know when we we did that list last year and then what's happened this year um and i don't know if it's just the return of minor league baseball in addition to being in a different era you know, trying to compare joe mauer and delman young and the hype there to what's going on now where everyone can you know everyone is paying attention to every you know, every time Wander Franco sneezes, uh, you know, which is good for business, but you know, it just—I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's just much, much different. Uh, you know that, and any time a top prospect gets called up, then it's like, all right, well, who's next? You know, so when Jared Kelnick gets called up, and that, you know, created a a lot of hubbub. People were like, all right, well, when 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 is it gonna be Wander Franco time? And like, you know, the the, the watch had started, especially after the Willie Nomas trade. So, you know, I I do think we're in an era now where there is a a heightened sense of of attention and anticipation for these guys that you just can't, you can't compare. Uh, And I would probably, you know, just based on what's gone on these two months, I would obviously move Franco up just in terms of of that hype machine and what it's done uh, to the level of expectations for him now that he's arriving.
1: I think, Jonathan, you're going to have to work with uh, Tom Tango and Mike Petriello and determine a a hype plus stat so you can <laughs> compare the guy's hype to the average level of hype in his what do we, time. But what, I
2: mean, but what do we use? Like, you know, Twitter impressions? Like, you do need that didn't even exist. You, you, you guys need to get to, to work.
1: Well, when I'm at the Combine, which we'll talk about later in the podcast, I, I expect you to to determine this formula and get it perfected by the end of the week. Okay. I was I Come was
0: going it. to ask you, Jonathan, if uh, you know, if you would change his his ranking in that list. It sounds like you would bump. I, him I think you have him. to.
2: Um, you know, it, some of it, you know, also was because last year was such a bizarre lost year. Like we, uh, you know, it was hard to know exactly how close he was. We knew that he was a really advanced hitter, but he hadn't played above a ball. He's super young. We didn't know where he was going to go to start the year. And, you know, so the second that he, you know, had a good spring and went to AAA, then that raised it up a couple of notches, uh, you know. And, and then, the uh, you know, the other factors that we've already discussed, I, I think, you know, I don't know. I, I might put him, at, you know, at two behind Vladdy.
1: I, Do I know don't what I mean? I, I... I, I'll quibble with you on that, John. I think it would be tough to put him ahead of Shoei Huitani with the two-way thing and his triple. That's true. Again. That's true. And
2: that was a different animal too. Like, Yeah, you I mean, and he's not really and... a
1: prospect, which is – do you think – and I kind of feel like the answer is yes, that had we had 2020 and he went out and tore up, you know, double-A and probably got into triple-A like Vlad Jr. did at, the, at that same age in 2018, the, the, the Franco's hype would be even more so now had he had a, a, an additional year of, of minor league superstardom yep. for people to, to get excited about.
2: No, I, I think, I think that's right because it would have been, well, he should be in the opening day lineup. And then when he wasn't in the opening day lineup, it would be like, well, when are you calling him up? When are you calling him up? You know, whether it's a super two thing, whether it's a, you know, whatever the reasoning is, or, you know, but they want him to get some at bats, you know, because he, you know, even with the 2020, he still wouldn't have had a lot, but he's, you know, Sort of pushing the envelope, I, I think it would have, from the beginning of spring training, th- that uh, hype machine would have would have started, and that would have been a
0: little more similar to uh, to Vlad Junior's trajectory, right? With the way that uh, that's the kind of the way that things played out with him. And I remember when was it? There was a point where Wander. You've, you compared his stats through his first X number of games to Vlad Jr.'s through his first X number of minor league games. They were eerily similar.
1: And uh, better, too. I, I think he was a little bit better when I did that, that Vlad versus Wander story, which I don't even know how long is ago insane. that was. Was that was last late. year? <laughs> I don't remember that one I as well. I
2: don't remember. Can we resurface the video of Wander Franco? Like, I think he was playing the drums at the rock and roll Hall of Fame before the futures game in 2019. Yeah, I'm trying
0: to remember which instrument he played. He was he was in the uh He was in the band. He was in the All-Star band with Joe Adele, Royce Lewis, and wasn't there a fourth member of the band?
2: Uh yeah, I think then I want to say it was Nolan Jones.
0: Nolan Jones, that's correct. That's right. So you know, the the Wander Vlad Jr. comparison is an interesting one. The only Two prospects that we have ever given an 80 hit grade to. Um, You know, Wander, he's, I feel like he's been around, his name has been known for a long time because he was the number one international prospect, you know, 16-year-old international prospect, same year as Otani, so he wasn't number one on on the list, but you mentioned before Otani being a different animal. Um, You know, he was known at 15, uh, I know Je- I remember Jesse Sanchez doing stories on on Wander back when he was 15 years old before he signed at 16. Um, he debuted on the top 100 list at number 13 in 2019 after uh, you know an extremely successful uh, pro debut, but debuted at number 13 um, and then has been number one for. Four consecutive lists, and I actually thought of this today, guys, is Wander going to, will he graduate before the midseason re-rank or is he going to match Buxton for five straight number one rankings?
1: I guess that would depend on when exactly we do the midseason update. Um, because, you know, 45 days. It's right at it. Would get us to what? There'd be 10, be like August 4th. Um, but he could also go over 125 at-bats if he's playing fairly regularly. I'm going to say he graduates, because I'm, I'm going to say he graduates, but that would be really interesting.
2: Yeah, it's going to be close, but I, I think he will.
0: So I, I know that we, uh, you know, we always do a what to expect from uh, top 100 prospects when they get to the big leagues and uh, Wander being on one of uh, Sam Dykstra's teams will handle that. But from the two of you, uh, what should we expect from Juan de Franco in the big leagues?
2: It's it's funny because, you know, we've all written so many of these that I, I almost want to be like, yeah, no, he's going to hit like 250, which is like completely lower the expectations bar. You know, wherever he's gone, he's hit. And, you know, I, maybe it'll take a little bit of time for him to get his feet under him. Um Maybe I'm hedging my bets a little bit because I thought Jared Kelnick was going to kind of hit the ground running and didn't, but, I, you know, he he was re, you know red hot when he got called up, you know, 371 and slugged 686 in June in Triple I think he's going to hit, um, you know, is he going to set the world on fire? I, you know, I, I won't go that far, but I, he is such a good hitter and I don't think it matters what level of pitching he's facing. Uh, you know, that I think he's gonna, I think he's going to figure it out. And, you know, I think the Rays are such a good organization in terms of handling young players that, you know, he's not coming up with the expectation that he's got to carry them. And I I think, uh, I think that will help. Uh, So, I I mean, I don't know, Jim, you know, maybe I'm being overly cautious uh, because uh, of what happened with Kelnick, but I can't imagine Wander Franco not hitting wherever he is.
1: No, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, we we've seen guys struggle. I mean, I you know we we saw Kelnick struggle. We saw Trout struggle way back when. I mean, guys struggle sometimes. But he's such a good hitter. You know, I I don't know that he's going to come out and you know hit three twenty five with you know fifteen homers and a half a season. But like I I could see him kind of producing like Vlad Jr. did a couple of years ago, where you know in retrospect people were somewhat disappointed, you know, oh, you know, Vlad didn't tear it up, but you know, Vlad hit 270. He had a a 770 ops as a 20 year old in the big leagues. And I, I, will kind of set that as the over under for, for Franco. I, you know, I don't think he's necessarily going to have the same home run power Vlad had initially, but I I think just like Vlad, the other 80 hitter, we we, we've given an 80 hit grade to, um, I I just think the bat to ball skills are so good that I think he'll I think he'll be fine and, and and yes I I'm sure I said something similar about Jared Kelnick um and, and I think Jared Kelnick will be fine in the long run but I, I just I can't imagine I mean Franco has never not hit uh you, you know I mean he's hit everywhere he's gone and so I, I don't think he's just going to come up to big leagues and hit 205 or something
0: yeah and even even looking at Wander's minor league numbers compared to Kelnick's um, and, you know, both of them playing at sort of equally young age compared to uh, the level that they were at. Wander probably a little more extreme than Kelnick, even, but, you know, Wander hit 351 in his pro debut, slugged 587. Um, in 2019, hit 327, slugged 487. And this year, as a 20 year old at AAA, hitting 315, slugging 586. Uh, seven home runs in just 39 games, which he already was creeping up on his career high, which was 11 in 61 games back in 2018. But, yeah, like you said, he's just hit everywhere. And he will be the only 20-year-old in the big leagues when he comes up. And so, Jim, an interesting comparison with Vlad Jr. there again that, you know, Vlad Jr., I think people forgot that here was a 20-year-old with, you know, they just locked in on these massive expectations And uh, kind of forgot about the fact that the kid was 20 years old and now we'll have a a similar situation with Wander being 20 years old and in the big leagues and uh, presumably playing every day. Where do you expect to see him? I know he's, you know, he's played third. He's played some second. They brought up, uh, you know, everybody was expecting him to be brought up, uh, uh, brought up a different shortstop and walls. Where do you expect to see him?
1: I think we're just guessing right now, to be honest with you. I mean, Walls has kind of backed up offensively in in the month he's been in the big leagues. He's not hit as well recently. So I wouldn't be shocked if it was shortstop. I mean, there's a ton of flexibility in that lineup because I think Joey Wendell played short yesterday. He's been at third. Joey Wendell's having a really good year. So I I don't think it's going to be third base. Brandon Lau's having a weird year where he's hitting 200, but with a ton of power and that winds up making him kind of a league average guy and he can also play the outfield. Um, so, you know, maybe, you know, he plays a little of both to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny I had to do, I was recording our beat report video and I talked about Franco this morning and I spent 20 minutes looking at various stories and there's, there, there's no, no plan that's been announced yet.
2: That's right. You can't even take anything from where he's played You know, he has played mostly shortstop. But keep in mind that once Taylor Walls got called up to the big leagues, he was going to be Durham's shortstop. He's played seven games at third and three at second. Um, You know, so I, I, I think he might move around a little a little bit. You know, I don't think he's going to play a different position every day. I think they want to maximize his chances for success. But this is an organization that's always stressed positional flexibility. Uh, so I, I don't I don't think it's gonna it would throw him off if he plays short one day and then he's playing third another or second another you know so I I, I think we might see him move around a little bit even if he does focus mostly on shortstop and you know, walls can play second base also so you know that's the possibility and because all of those guys you know Jim mentioned have played multiple positions uh, that does give uh, you know, then the the opportunity to move guys around however they, however they want to make the most optimal lineup.
0: All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will talk draft. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast.
2: Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB.
0: All right, welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. I'm Jason Radliff here with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, who is, as we record this, preparing to head to the first ever MLB draft combine, uh, held in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, the first of its kind. And, uh, Jim, I know that you will be there for uh, the the full week of activities. Tell us a little bit about what this is, who's going to be there, what's going to be going on.
1: Sure, I, I, I will be there, assuming my plane makes it, since it's already been delayed an hour, as as often happens with my summer travels. So, uh, hopefully, I will I will make it to uh, to Cary and, and Raleigh for the combine. But yeah, it, it's you know they, they've got a bunch of stuff scheduled. There's going to be um, three days of high school. Players playing in double headers. Not, I mean, guys will be playing one game a day. They won't be playing six games over three days. But, um, you know, there'll be games Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. There will be pro style workouts Thursday and Friday. There'll be medical testing. There'll be performance testing. There's going to be some educational programs, some actual social media programs. There'll be interviews with um, teams like, like that, that'll be available to the players as well. Everything's kind of fluid right now um, because to get players to come, MLB basically kind of said, you can customize your own experience is what they've told guys. And so you have some guys will be coming and not doing on field stuff. Um, you know, Henry Davis, who's number five on our list, is the highest ranked player coming. He won't be doing the on-field stuff, but but you will have players um, like Judd Fabian, a Florida outfielder, Wake Forest right-handed Ryan Cusick, um, Colson Montgomery, high school third baseman from Indiana, uh, South Alabama outfielder Ethan Wilson, those guys are all potential first-round picks, you know, as are Spencer Schwellenbach from Nebraska, Matthew Nelson from Florida State, and all those guys will be doing on-field stuff. Um, there will not be college games; they'll just be doing workouts and performance testing. But um, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think everybody I, I've talked to, you know, a bunch of scouts who are, who are going to this too, and and we're all we, we all want to see. <laughs> we're all not sure exactly who's going to be doing what yet, but it'll be kind of interesting to see some of the stuff, especially the the high school games, will be kind of fun to watch. I think
2: this is the the first time that Major League Baseball has tried to do something like this, and uh, I think it was Dan O'Dowd on MLB Network. You know, I think he put it well. It's like, listen, you know, the no one remembers the like the first year or two of the NFL Combine. It, it probably wasn't perfect, and they've tweaked it, and they've made it into you know uh, now you know it's become this like Uber event which you know we could debate whether that's going too far and and football and baseball are different the players aren't gonna immediately impact the big league teams and there may not be you know the same kind of excitement because the players aren't as well known we know all those the differences between the leagues but I think you know what I'm gonna be looking for is you know it's a well-run event and that teams feel that they got something out of it and if for this year, it's you know it's a chance for, uh, if not you know the the top top tier guys to sh- to show off their thing, but you know the one A or tier B guys who will get drafted say on day two, uh, to to be seen by all thirty teams, uh, I that's equally important. You know, I don't think you're ever going to find a scouting staff that says we have too much information. And, you know, I think the the being able to sit down and interview with teams is going to be, you know, as important. You know, you mentioned Judd Fabian. Here's a guy who had a very up and down year. The tools are ridiculous. He had a ton of homers. If he, you know, if he goes there and what he does in workouts and things like that will be one thing. But sitting down with teams that could have a a huge impact where he could really impress, uh, you know, impress teams with with how he carries himself and that, you know, so I think all of that is going to be very useful. And this is a, you know, a putting down a foundation. It's a stepping stone to future years where major league baseball can continue to, to work on this event and build it out. So it becomes a really impactful and effective way to, for teams to kind of get a last look at a, a lot of potential draftees.
0: All right. So that is going on all week this week. There will be complete coverage on, MLB
1: Pipeline, and you'll uh, catch a lot of this on MLB Network as well. Hey, Jason, uh, let me plug real quick. There, there will be a five-hour broadcast um, with uh, workouts, interviews with players, interview with clubs executives. That will be um, Friday afternoon. So let me, let me plug that because I know MLB Network's putting a lot of effort into that on Friday afternoon.
0: All right. Uh, so moving ahead in our uh, draft segment here, Let's talk about some draft prospects in the College World Series. It was a fun weekend. Um, had a couple of very nice pitching performances. Uh, Will Bednar and Andrew Abbott. Uh, I, I know headed into this podcast, what we we were questioning uh, before we started, is this going to be our first podcast in months where we don't have a Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter update? I think we can update people on, on Kumar Rocker. He got hit a little bit um in the uh in their opener and Vanderbilt's opener and then uh, as we're recording Jack Leiter is set to take the ball um this afternoon or today so um Jim Jonathan uh did you guys get to watch much this weekend I I feel like Jim you most certainly did
1: I did. I was I was watching this while 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 texting uh, to work on the next mock draft. I was watching a lot of it. And yeah, I mean, you know, Kumar Rocker, you know, it was he had good stuff. Yeah, it's if you watch the game, you know, if you looked at the box score line, he didn't walk anybody. But but his command was off. His pitch sequencing wasn't great at times. And Arizona, which has a really good lineup. You hit him. They scored three in the first off him. His defense didn't help him. Um, They had a couple plays they should have made in the first inning, and they didn't. Um, And then they chased him with two runs in the sixth, and Vanderbilt came back to take the lead, and Arizona tied it in the ninth, and it went 12 innings. It it was a great game. Um, You know, I I don't think – I don't think it really changed anybody's minds about Kumar Rocker. I mean, we've talked about that with with the College World Series, that, you know, getting another look at guys you've seen pitch 16, 17 times – Isn't going to move the needle, especially for the guys, you know, at the very top. Now, by contrast, I mean, I think a guy did help because, you know, he, there's maybe a little bit more mixed opinions is Will Bednar of Mississippi State, who, you know, was spectacular last night. He went six innings, he gave up one hit against Texas, struck out 15, um, walked a guy to lead off the, the seventh inning, and then they pulled him. He was only too short of, of the single game, single nine-inning game strikeout record of 17 held by, by former Angels scouting director and straight from the draft to the big leagues, uh, Arizona State pitcher Eddie Bain. Um, and Bednar looked great. And, and, you know, I think, Jonathan, you know, we've talked about, I mean, the, the, the you know, when Gunnar Hogland of Ole Miss got hurt, you know, kind of the, the top three college pitchers have been Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, of Vanderbilt, and then Ty Madden of Texas. And there's no clear number four. And and Will Bednar may have, may have pushed himself into that that fourth spot of fourth college arm who's going to get drafted with just how good he commanded and and threw his fastball and slider, both plus pitches by the Longhorns. Uh, Thirty swings and misses. He's got like a six to one strikeout to walk ratio this year. It's stuff. It's polish. Um, and, and so I think Will Bednar was so spectacular that he did help his cause, and, and he pitched head head against Ty Madden too, who who pitched pretty well but took a tough loss, two to one. Yeah,
2: Madden Madden was pretty good, struck out ten and seven innings. So you know, I think for those guys, those top three, and I think you're right about Kumar Rocker. You know, unless something went horribly wrong, um, yeah, I, that start, yeah, he 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 left too many pitches out, you know, over the middle of the zone, and that that the lineup, you know. Uh, knew what to do with it. I want the best reaction, um, and I watched some of it too. It's not just Jim who likes the College World Series, Jason. I, I kind of am a little <laughs> offended by the insinuation. Um, but uh, <laughs> when Holgate, when Ryan Holgate, who's got, you know, uh, I won't say he has the, the, mo- you know, the most power, he's, he's got a lot of raw power and, and among the best raw power in college bats. When he homered, I don't even think of Rocker's reaction, he sort of just nodded as if to say, yeah, that's what he should do with that pitch. Um, so you could tell that it, it, he just was not commanding the ball within the zone that well. And that, then that happened, but I don't think that that impacts him. You know, Bednar was a guy who, you know, if you look at what we've been doing with our mocks, you know, sometimes he's in, sometimes he's out. Um, I think a start like this helps cement him as a first rounder. Uh, because, you know, and generally what happens is those college arms will float up if you feel a little more certainty Uh, There's a little less risk than with the high school arms. And so I, you know, know, Jim's working on the mock now. um, And I think you've been more apt to put him in the first round than I have just based. I mean, not based on anything uh, that I'm hearing, but, you know, I I would be very surprised if come next week, uh, you know, he is not cemented in that sort of back half of the first uh, round range. And then, you know, the other guy who I think helped himself out is Andrew Abbott. At Virginia. Um, and he'd been, he's had been he been helping himself out all, all year. This is a guy who's been a reliever for most of his Virginia career. And uh, with people often saying, know, I wonder if he has the stuff to start. And Virginia never really had him do it. And last year, got shortened. And this year, not only did he start, but he convinced a lot of scouts that he has a chance to start at the next level, knowing that you can shorten him up and, and stuff will be good. He went, Six shutout innings and struck out ten against Tennessee uh, uh, to win to win their opener. And you know, I, I think I don't know if Andrew Abbott's a first rounder. Um, I think he has a chance to be a first rounder. He's also a senior uh, that could come into play. Uh, it's not like he's going to go back to to Virginia. Uh, well, he, he's know. a
1: COVID junior,
2: right? I guess he's a COVID junior, so he could go back. It, it seems. I mean, less he's not likely. going to. But yeah, when I've talked to teams about him, they sort of had him as a as a senior. Um, you know, uh, Virginia is the kind of place where people will go back for their senior year. But I'm assuming that he's done academically. Um, I, I would be surprised, and that could come into play in terms of uh, what the what the signability is and, and where he might go. But I think you know that start. He, he might get another one in, in the College World Series if Virginia continues to to advance. Uh, we'll further cement him as a guy who, you know, you talk to area scouts about Andrew Abbott. They love the way he competes. Um, and I think that if he continues to pitch like this and go deep, he's showing more and more on a big stage that he has a chance to start. And left-handed starters are hard to come by, and I think that's only going to increase his his stock as we move closer to the draft.
1: And there's so much uncertainty in the back half of the first round that I think like we're, you know, he he fits for me as a guy who could jump in there. And, you know, even though it's an entirely different type of repertoire compared to Kumar Rocker right now, as we record this, Kumar Rocker and Andrew Abbott are tied for the national lead in strikeouts. Um, Even though one guy's a power pitcher and Abbott's not a soft tosser, but he's more of a finesse guy, you know, he was crafty. Now, you know, by time, you know, Later this evening, after we record this, all Jack Leiter needs is seven strikeouts to move back ahead of him. But, you know, he's had a spectacular, spectacular year. Um, And almost certainly we'll get a chance to pitch again in in Omaha because they've already won their first game. And if you win, the the schedule stays pretty spread out.
0: So this has given us a bit of a head start on our five guys segment. We're now 20% of the way through our five guys segment. Five guys who could sneak into the first round and Andrew Abbott was one of those guys we have on our list. The others, Wes Cath, uh, third baseman from Desert Mountain High School in Arizona. He's number 33 on the top 100, uh, not 100, top 250 draft prospects list. Uh, so not a huge stretch there just based on his, his ranking. Um, uh, and Ty Black, a second baseman from Wright State, is number 55 on the list. Kai Bush. Uh, lefty out of St. Mary's is number 66 and Cooper Kenny, a second baseman out of the Baylor school in Tennessee is number 90. Uh, Jonathan, you want to, uh, you want to take a couple more of your guys here?
2: Sure. Uh, you know, West Kath, uh, is the top of the and you mentioned. It, it, it's not a huge stretch that he might go in the first round if we have him ranked 33rd. He's just one of those guys that, uh, I know both Jim and I have heard as a possibility, but I don't – I'm not looking at our past mocks right now, but I don't think we've actually put him in too often. Um, I don't think it would be a surprise if he ended up, uh, ended up going in the first round to a team like in the back half that likes high school hitters. And he is one of those high school hitters that like, people really think he's going to hit. Uh, and he's improved in terms of his defense at third. So if you think he's definitely going to stay at third – and you have the certainty of the bat i think that probably puts him in the first round again is some of those high school arms may drop to the comp or second round and even if he doesn't go in the first round proper uh you know he's a guy who'll go in the comp or even maybe the top of the second round at, at the latest but it's the pure bat that uh, that people really will be buying and yeah you know, all it takes is one team uh you know in that in the first round rather than you know, in that comp segment, second round to say, like, we better get him. And I could see a team with extra picks saying, you know, we kind of like West Calf, but you know, we'd love to take him in the second round or with our comp pick, but if they really like him and they don't think he's going to be around for whenever that extra pick or the second round pick is, they may go and take him in the first round uh, because they, they want the certainty of the bat. Should I just do my other guy, Jim, and then uh, – Feel free to
1: um, have at Kai Bush. Have at Kai
2: Bush. So, you know, this is one of those instances where, uh, you know, there's it's hard to know because he's not pitching anymore. He isn't. He hasn't pitched his way up into the first round because of postseason play. Uh, but we're talking about a guy who's a, a six foot six lefty uh, at St. Mary's who you know, finished the year with. Re- ridiculous numbers uh struck out almost 13 per nine while only walking 2.2 uh finished with a 299 era did not give up uh, a lot of hits Uh, and pitched. he did pitch very very well down the stretch um you know so he is the kind of guy that if he goes and works out for teams uh, just the physicality i think will certainly help him uh but he has the chance with uh to have really, really good stuff. He's up to 96 with his fastball. I'll sit more 93, 94 commanded the fastball a lot better this year. Uh, People don't pick it up. Uh, There's sync to it. His slider is at least above average. It might be plus when all is said and done. Um, He's got two different breaking balls. They can blur into each other. Maybe he ends up with just one. Uh, The changeup is, has shown flashes, but he hasn't really needed it. But, so we're talking about a guy who has moved around a bit, but he has a chance to have four pitches and he was commanding them much, much better, especially down the stretch. And I think that's moved him into that first round conversation uh, just as a, as a big physical college, college lefty with a starting pitcher repertoire.
1: You know, in last week's five guys, we, we did five guys who had helium. And, and I mentioned Trey Sweeney of Eastern Illinois, uh, shortstop, probably featured third baseman who could sneak into the first round. And, and we decided, I, I guess, five guys rules dictate you can't be in back-to-back five guys. So, so no <laughs> Trey Sweeney who would have been perfect for this, but I'll, I'll stick in the same vein with two more bat-first guys who could wind up being – you know, late, you know, say first round picks in the 20s in a draft where there aren't a whole lot of guys who've performed well at the plate all season. Uh, the first one's Tyler Black of Wright State, second baseman. Um, I, he's the son. Of, I know both of you are big fans of Canadian sports broadcaster Rod Black. He, he was uh, love Rod's work. I know you do. Um, Tyler was a, uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll go cliche with Canada, you know, talented hockey player before he decided to focus on baseball. And, you know, it, it, there, there are a number of guys in this draft who have, you know, have the bats, the only above average tool. And that's the case with Tyler Bla- Black. It's a plus bat. It's, you know, he's left-handed hitter, really good swing, very good approach at the plate. You know, he's probably a 15 homer guy. You know, if you want to be really bullish on him, you could say, you know, maybe he gets almost all his raw power because he's such a good hitter. You know, speed and arm are kind of average-ish. He had shoulder surgery in the off season. You know, probably going to be a second baseman. You know, I don't know if he has the arm for third, Yeah, not really the quickness or the arm for short, but he can really, really hit. And, And he helped himself. I mean, it seems like it was, well, it was months ago, but opening day, they played Vanderbilt and he got a double against Kumar Rocker and then they started the season with, with five games against Vanderbilt in, in Alabama and he drew seven walks in, in those games. I, I think he had three or four hits. But like, you know, so he showed against, you know, the best pitching he faced all year. He, he you know, he did very well. Wright State's, you know, had, to, had a number of interesting draft picks in the last few years. Sean Murphy's in the big leagues. Peyton Bur- Burdick's in the Marlins system. Seth Gray in the twin system. And Tyler Black's going to be another one. And, and then yet another guy, kind of in that same vein is Cooper Kinney from the Baylor school in Tennessee, uh, South Carolina recruit. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because that school has four legitimate prospects in, in him. Shortstop, Daniel Corona. They've got a, a corner infielder named Vitas Valencius and a right hander named Jay Dill. And he's probably gonna be the only one who gets drafted high enough to sign, but is one of the most advanced high school hitters in the, in the draft. He might, you know, I'm starting to hear that he might sneak into the first round and, you know, he's, Honestly, kind of similar to Tyler Black at the high school level. He's got a really good left-handed stroke. It's an advanced approach at the plate. He might have a tick more power than Black. Um, But the question with him is where do you wind up playing him? You're hoping that he can play an adequate second base, and maybe he's a Daniel Murphy type, but he's a 35 runner on the 20 to 80 scale. Um, He's got, you know, slightly below average arm, so even second baseman might be a stretch, and he might be left fielder, first base. But but if you're confident, you could turn him into a passable second baseman. His bat is really really good, and, and, and I think we're going to see. You know, that, that we probably could do five more guys like Connor Norby at East Carolina is another guy. Cody Morsett, Jonathan's one of your guys at BC. There's a number of these guys who can hit that could wind up sneaking into the first round despite not necessarily being ranked that high on our list or, or other people's lists.
0: Five guys segment for next week is set.
1: Five more guys. Next Five week.
0: more guys. All right. When we come back, we'll look ahead to this year's futures game and talk about some of the guys that we hope to see in that showcase. That's coming up next on the MLB pipeline podcast.
3: This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late and catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward Doctors personalize a health plan with you, based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com.
0: Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast, Jason Ratliff, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, and we are looking ahead to the futures game now, uh, which is crazily for us on the same day as day one of the draft, basically taking our two biggest events of the year and smashing them into one day. It's going to be a fun day, guys. Um, I think so we should we we the
1: min- Rule 5 draft on that day too, Jason. Can we, can we add <laughs> yes. the Rule 5 draft maybe in between the futures trade game deadline. and the Rule 4 draft?
2: Move
0: the trade deadline, yes.
2: Another one. I suddenly, feel like one of those uh, people who have their birthday like on Christmas. Yeah, Not that I celebrate yeah. Christmas, but like I just feel like it's that. Always
0: felt bad for those people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we you know missed out on the game last year. Obviously, um, in 2019, it uh, changed formats uh, from the U.S. versus the world to NL versus AL. Um, It is also now a seven-inning game, Uh, but nonetheless, we are very excited about this. Um, The uh, committee uh, to select the rosters is currently working on that, and uh, those rosters will be coming out soon. So there are a a number of fantastic prospects who are eligible to uh, play this year, let's take a look at a handful of those that you guys are particularly excited about. Uh, Jim, why don't you start us off? We'll do a hitter and a pitcher each. Why don't you start us off with your hitter?
1: Yeah, I would have I, I would have struggled with hitter because I've said, I, I mean, I think I've said several times on this podcast, I mean, the two guys I wanted to see most in this game were Jason Dominguez and Marco Luciano. And because Jason Dominguez has yet to make his official pro debut, and I, I doubt that we'll necessarily be able to get a guy who hasn't made his pro debut in the futures game. I will go with Marco Luciano, who's having a good year in, in a ball, no shock. You know, his power plays. We knew that it's electric bat speed. It's tremendous power. I mean, this could be a potential 40 Homer guy. Um, I think he's got a better chance to stay at short. You know, I mean, he's not going to be a gold Glover, but he's got a better chance to stay there than we thought initially when he signed best giants international prospect in years. I, you know, can't wait to see him in the Futures game, you know, BP. Uh, he just, to me, one of the most exciting players in, in baseball in terms of prospects. And and I've never seen him play. And then pitcher-wise, I'd go with Kate Cavalli with the Nationals, who has, you know, got tremendous stuff. First-round pick last year. You know, I think the biggest question with him, honestly, is health. I mean, going back to high school, he's never really had a fully healthy season, you know, didn't get the opportunity last year with COVID. But his stuff, I mean, he can go up to 100. He's got a power curveball. He's got an even more powerful slider cutter. Um, he's got power to his changeup. I mean, he's all about power. And, and right now he leads the minors with 77 strikeouts and 46 and two-thirds innings. He's already earned a promotion to Double A after just seven starts. He struck out six in six innings there in his first game. Um, so he's probably – the the pitcher I'm most excited about seeing. I, I feel like we've seen a lot of these guys, but, but I have never seen Kate Cavalli live and, and looking forward to that.
2: It is one of the fun things about the, the futures game, uh in in terms of seeing guys that we haven't seen or even if we saw them a little bit. Uh so I'll go pitcher first just because you 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 went pitcher last, so it's like a serpentine draft. But
1: um Serpentine Serpentine.
2: So <laughs> Can never have too many in-laws references. Um, so Nick Lodolo is the is the pitcher that I like. I'm I'm excited to see, and he's not. You know, he's not going to come in and throw a hundred. You know, it's not going to be one of those ooh and ah. Uh, but you know, he just can really, really pitch, and we were getting a chance to see him now for the first time. Reds took him number seven overall. Uh, he's got a blister on his finger right now. So I'm hoping he's back in time. To, to be able to pitch uh, but you know his pro debut back in 2019 he didn't walk a guy and struck out 30 in 18 and a third innings just to whet people's appetite and then we had to wait until 2021 outside of you know the the alternate site reports that we were getting and he went straight to double-a and has been continued to be as good as as advertised uh you know over his six starts 30 innings six walks 45 strikeouts Uh, 181 batting average against. I mean, this is a guy who is misses bats. He's getting ground ball outs. He's got uh, a full uh, array of of pitches, uh, you know, for him to to choose from. And you know, he he just really knows how to pitch. Now, in a futures game, he's gonna come in and pitch one inning, right? It's not going to be a lot, but uh, you know, this is this is a guy with good stuff. I'm not uh, saying that he's a soft tosser, (laughs) but you know, three above average pitches with plus control. Um, I, I, just am excited to see him and then maybe he'll be the kind of guy that uses the futures game. Uh, I'm a little surprised he hasn't followed Hunter green to AAA, uh, but the blister probably held him back. Uh, so I would imagine once he, he comes back from that, so hopefully he's healthy enough and, 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 and ready to go. The other guy is Bobby Witt Jr. Who was kind of the talk of spring training. Uh, people got a little overly excited because he had such a good big league camp. They wanted uh, they wanted him to uh, make the opening day lineup for the Royals. And, um, you know, they obviously cooler heads prevailed. He went to double A uh, and has been, you know, he's been hitting very well. You know, there is some swing and miss to his game. We knew there would be, but the power is legitimate. He's already got 11 homers and 11 steals in just 38 games. Um, and, and above everything else, he's played a very, very good shortstop. Uh, he's even seen some time at third. So if you know the American League team needs to, to move him over, they, they could, uh, depending on and who else uh, is going to be there. But the thing that's the best about Bobby Witt Jr., uh, aside from the obvious tools uh, and wanting to see him on that kind of stage, is just how much energy he brings. Um, like he would be my first vote of who to mic up uh, on the field just because he's a sprint on the field and off the field. He just loves to play. Uh, there's so much personality and energy there that it's going to be fun to see him uh, on that futures game stage.
0: All right. And in addition to those four guys, I mean, there are a bunch of top 20 overall types that we've not seen in the big leagues yet and could be, uh, be seen in the Futures game this year. Adley Rushman, Spencer Torkelson, Julio Rodriguez, uh, J.J. Boudet, Riley Green, Austin Martin. A uh, whole list of very you know elite prospects that uh, we could be seeing in the Futures game in Colorado in just a few weeks. So uh, stay tuned. We will have those rosters uh, coming out soon uh, within the next uh, couple weeks, I'd say, uh, as we gear up for the Futures game. Speaking of top 100 prospects, we have a couple of new ones. Uh, We've been doing this for a few weeks now, introducing the newest top 100 prospects on the list. We had a couple of graduations, uh, Key Brian Hayes and Alex Kirloff, uh, exceeding the rookie uh, thresholds and thus graduating from our prospect list and taking their places, Oswald Peraza, uh yankee shortstop prospect and christian hernandez uh cubs shortstop prospect a um, couple of guys who well it, well hernandez we have not seen yet have, has not played a game yet um peraz off to a, a very good start this year and jim i think both of these guys are your guys
1: they are. That, that, that's correct. I'm trying to, to stock up shortstops for my organizations in my, my bid to take over the top 100. Um, recently, Gabriel Arias at the Indians, also one of my organizations. So it's my, my secret plot I'm, I'm, I'm revealing now. Not that, so uh, secret. You replaced by, two of my shortstop. guys,
2: too. What's that? Cabrian Hayes, Cabrian Hayes and Alex Kurloff were, my, were from my
1: organization. So you definitely. Uh, Jim's taken over. That's right. And, 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 you, I mean, Jonathan could tell you yesterday, I was, I was lobbying a little bit for Anthony Volpe, another shortstop in my organization. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go, but no, but both these guys are, you know, obviously if you're top 100 prospect, you're talented, but both these guys have, you know, outstanding all around potential, you know, including a higher offensive ceiling than most shortstops, you know, Praza was, was not a big ticket international signing $175,000 out of Venezuela in, in 2016. And, you know he, he's breaking out this year. He he was a guy who, who the Yankees have been high on for a while. He's got really good bat to ball skills. Um, you know had high exit velocities, even though he still needs to add more strength to his to his frame. So they thought there was some power coming, plus runner, plus arm, plus defender at shortstop, and he's off to a great start this year. You know through 40 games, he's already earned a, a promotion to Double A, um, at, at age tw- I, th- I think he technically got promoted before, right before he turned 21. So he, he turned 21 about a week ago, but 40 games, he, he's got a, an ops over 900. He's got 19 extra base hits. He's got 16 steals. Um, so he, he's starting to show exactly what the Yankees thought they had in him. And, and then by contrast, Hernandez was a big ticket signing. Um, the Cubs signed him for $3 million in January. Uh, you know, the 2020 international class, as we discussed, got pushed back. You couldn't sign guys until January, rather than July. And the Cubs say he's got more upside than any international player they've signed recently. And, and that includes Aloy Jimenez and Glaber Torres, who are part of the same class. And, you know, Hernandez yet to make his pro debut. But, I mean, you could have a 280 to 300 hitter, 25 to 30 homers a year, plus runner, solid defender, solid arm strength. You know, I think he stays it short. Um, if he winds up, you know, growing too big for shortstop, he's 6'2", 175 now. His bat's going to profile anywhere. So, so two really interesting shortstops, super young guys. has uh, just turned 21 and Hernandez is, is just 17.
0: All right. Let's wrap up this week's ep- ep- uh, edition of the Pipeline Podcast, as we always do by answering questions in the mailbag. And this one comes from Chris Chapman. His handle is ChapDaddy76, and he says, "Better future, Joe Adele, or Jared Kelnick? Both had similar cups of coffee, their first go round. Those, yeah, those cups of coffee were cold, cold, and and bitter. I would say, um, yeah, I, I noticed um, that Kelnick. You know, after he got sent down, he was on you know a hit, a hitless streak." with the Mariners and then got sent down and went hitless in his first couple games, he had reached the point where he's 0 for 45 with, I think it was 27 or 21 or 27 strike. It's just absolutely unfathomable for a guy who, you know, we, we talked about it, you know, you would, never would have expected Kelnick to go up and and not hit at all. Um, and w- would you say that you would have, you could have predicted, uh, such a a tough start for Adele more so than Kelnick. Is that fair to say? You
2: know, it's interesting because I think one of the things that made it seem that Adele was ready was, you know, if you go back to 2019 where, you know, he he moved a lot faster than I think a lot of people thought he was going to. Uh, And one of the things that was encouraging uh, in 2019 is that his, his overall approach got better um, you know, he hit through, throughout the minors, and then he had you know, the huge spring training. And it, you know, in 2020, it was a weird year, and so like I, I kind of throw that out the the window. Um, in a lot of ways, I think the beginning of 2021 is also it's just strange. Like no one knows how people are going to react off of the 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 bizarre nature of last season. So I, I think it's a little more surprising, yes, that uh, that Kelnick struggled and like to, and to answer the question. I would then say that I think that I would give Kelnick the slight edge uh, in terms of who would have the better career. Now, I fully believe that Joe Adele is going to return to the big leagues and 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 do very well. Um, and you know, he's hit a ton of homers down in the in, back in the minors. And keeping in mind that he's you know uh, what twenty two, you know, uh, and and twenty two for all of this year, so uh, he's still way ahead of the, of the curve. Uh, and I think he's going to figure it out. <laughs> the one thing that I believe makes – the one thing that I, I believe makes um, Kelnick, a, a, you know, a, a give him the edge is I think he's always had a slightly more advanced approach at the plate. Uh, you know, I think Adele is going to hit uh, even this year, though, in AAA, uh, you know, eight walks and 58 strikeouts and 180 plate appearances – is a little concerning, you know. Is Adele the kind of guy who's going to come up and be a super athletic right fielder and hit a ton of homers, and maybe doesn't hit for as much average? That that might be. Uh, I think Kelnick has a better chance to be uh, more of an all around hitter. Uh, he's a better defender than Adele is, uh, so uh, that's why I would give Kelnick a a slight edge. Although I still am very bullish on on Joe Adele's future.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with all that. I mean, I. I would give Kelnick the edge. I, I think he's a, a better hitter. Although I, th- I think Adele is a better hitter than he got credit for as an amateur. Um, you know, it's interesting though they're in different drafts. Adele is only three months older than Kelnick. Um, but but I think everything Jonathan just said is, is correct. I, I, I feel I have a little bit more faith in Kelnick's bat. Adele's got more power. Um, I think Kelnick's probably a little bit better defender. Um, I, I think they're both going to be fine. They, they both came up at a young age. You know, another thing to remember, I mean, when, when Adele came up, he played 70 games above A-ball, you know, 27 in, in, in AAA. And when Kelnick came up, he had played, I think, about 30 games above A-ball. And only about nine or ten in in AAA. So, you know, I I think you know, I'm with Jonathan. I give him a mulligan just because 2020 was a strange year. It wasn't a full development year. They didn't have a lot of upper level miners experience. I think I think they'll both be good in the long run. But if you make me pick one, I I will take Kelnick over Adele.
0: And there is, of course, a long list of uh, elite prospects who came up, struggled mightily in their first go round, and then rebounded to become the players that they were expected to be uh most notable among them probably being one mike trout all right well thanks very much to chris chapman for his question thanks to everyone for listening that is going to do it for this week's mlb pipeline podcast don't forget to, to subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss an episode if you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions leave us a rating and a review thanks for listening
2: everybody see you next week Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB.
4: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best